I'm in Max, Max, Max. You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 27, Episode 9 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. And I'm Proby Tim, back from the horrible lands of adult mentification. <laughs> I'm Stork. I'm Tyler. And I'll tell you why we're laughing, because the chat room is going, God, it, it's it's ten minutes after, and they haven't started. We were had been happily doing the show without streaming, recording, or anything like that for the last ten minutes. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, this show isn't going out or being recorded in any way. This is just literally a conversation. <laughs> But it wasn't even that. It was just me reading an email. <laughs> right. Which, a long one. Now, do you want me to read it this time, since you had to read it last time? No, that's fine. I can read okay. it again. Okay, all right. You, you well, let me, do, let me do the whole intro too. thing first, because we yeah. didn't do it. In this episode of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, Ryan from Jacksonville writes in about a TPK and PC death. Uh, Mogan from Denmark, Denmark writes in about GM appreciation, or the lack thereof. Axel from the UK asks about introducing safety tools for a group that is previously unaware of them. And Ryan from and Ra- then Ryan, that's the same Ryan from Jacksonville, sends us a GURPS related horror story. Oh noes. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're on the forum. We have a forum. They're saying they're not getting audio now? Yeah, no audio. Fuck's sake, I just checked that piece of shit and it went back to fucking default. There we are. Hello. Uh, If you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We have a forum, happyjacksforum.com. That's happyjacksforum.com. We're also on the social meteors Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MeWe, happyjacksrpg, all one word. And if you'd like to watch the show, you can watch the show at 7 12 p.m. Pacific time or 7 (laughs) 02 if you don't mind actually not seeing a stream (laughs) on every Friday at happyjacks.org slash live. Just to let the the, the people in the chat room know. Uh, we've been doing the show since 7.02, and it wasn't until 7.10 that we realized that we were not neither streaming nor recording the show. So, there you go. And now we're here. We're back. <laughs> Sorry. Like we never left. Sorry, Canada. Okay, Stork, go ahead and All read right, the email so we, uh, again. <laughs> featured email topic. It's TPK and PC death from Ryan in Jacksonville. Ahem. Hey, all. I'm writing you to talk about a total party kill I had with my group and the feedback I got. For context, we were playing a haunted house scenario where the players were a bard, posing as a barbarian, an archer, who couldn't shoot sober, a toad man thief, a priest of the god of cheese, and a wizard who specialized in card tricks. Standard group makeup. The party went into a known haunted house on the outside of town, which had a reputation for people going in and not coming out. They decided to break in and rob them blind. As you do. Stuff happens. A weird and wacky time was had by all till a series of unfortunate events. There were a few zombies they were having an easy time with, and they wanted to try out an item they got to see what happened. They accomplished this, but in so doing, accidentally stitched the bard to a zombie, body and soul. Specifically, this occurred because they fumbled the roll, and I gave them the option of what the fumble could be, and they chose to be stitched to a zombie. They were having a spiritual tug of war while the rest of the party finished the rest of the zombie. And the priest, god of cheeses, withdrew to heal himself, and the bard zombie chased because he saw something running. They almost killed each other, 
and use uh, and use another magic item to mass heal themselves to give themselves more time to exercise the zombie. And things start going sideways. The Frog God statue was activated by the mass healing item, and it starts swallowing the player's hole. Oh. Oh, oh, I, I got CNR. I don't have... The creature got uh, The creature only got one action around Against a party of five And they saw it, tried to attack it Ignored the bard zombie And were all eventually swallowed by the frog god They tried to hack their way out of its gut Before it digested them They failed and were welcomed into the lands Of boundless cheese No one survived As a wrap-up, I tell the players some of the features of the house. I made them go over some of the decision points they to make sure they understood what led to this result. How have you failed? <laughs> That's what you need. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all in all, they loved the experience and had a blast in the game. I got the feedback was mostly positive, and they were upset that the frog god was one hit away from dying. Sure. And something one of the players said stuck, struck out to me. He said he loved the fact that he could die in a game. It was his experience that most of the games he played in wouldn't let you die for the sake of the story. My point, the players loved the fact that they could die. I missed the memo and just let the players experience the consequences of their choices. They seemed to enjoy that. I do not really have a plan to kill players, their characters, or the mood. But over the years, I've had a number of total party guests. It's odd to, hear, to me in this sentence that he says, I do not plan to kill players, comma, their characters, comma, comma, or, comma, or the or mood. The mood. <laughs> <laughs> Killing players is not a good thing at all. It's yep. Just. Okay, um, and I've never had a group that actually upset, uh, never had a group actually be upset that they had to re-roll characters and try again, or play the next game on the waiting list. <clears throat> Maybe we do a prehistoric fantasy next. I don't know where the stigma against players dying comes from. I have never experienced this as a player or a GM where players were upset about a TPK. Generally, if you sit down to an adventure game, you shouldn't be surprised you have a chance to die a terrible death. It should be a statistical probability that will, it will happen eventually if you keep going into dark holes to bare-knuckle fights. Ooh-ah! The dark god of surprise heart attacks! I consider it implied in the social contract with playing this genre of game. Personally, my players had a blast, and no one accused me of heresy, although friendship is magic... And magic is the true heresy, so it is a good call if they did. Players looking for a fight, they can specifically win is one thing, but why put in a fight? Why put a fight into a game that you know for a fact the players will overcome? Not everything has to be a nail-biter, but this is one of the things that the venerable Stu says he enjoys about GURPS. GURPS? Yeah! Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Anyone with a gun is dangerous to a legendary super spy. Discuss and drink. Why is there a stigma against player death? I do not get this, and I have never seen it in practice. I have to. I have seen people table flip if they feel they were cheated or they they were embarrassed. Horror story to follow. Cut it because it was too long. But just dying doesn't seem to be a problem to me. What makes a good death, and how can you turn a bad death into a good one? Discuss and drink. Ryan from Jacksonville. All right. Well, first of all, I have to say, he kind of has unusual players, and, I, and the fact that yeah, they definitely. were really on board with it and they weren't upset with, with dying, because it's been my experience, a lot of people, they put a lot of time and energy into their characters, and if they die, they, you know, it's like, I, I was really getting to like this guy. And it sounds like his players are really pretty cool with it, which is, I, I find unusual. 
Now, I don't want to say his players don't put a lot of thought into their characters, but they're a cleric of the god of cheese and a wizard I, who specializes in, in playing cards. Tricks. <coughs> so, it sounds like a pretty laid-back, chill group to begin with. And this also there, looks like it was a, a one-shot. It doesn't look like this was an ongoing campaign. Yeah. He doesn't say. It says it was... There's, a, you know, there's, there's, two, there's two different game styles, right? That deal with with only player two. death. You, you've only got games two. out there. Only two. There's only two games. <laughs> but you've got games like DCC, right? Dungeon Call Classic. Dungeon two. Crawl. Dungeon Crawl, Crawl Classic. Classics. Thank you. Where you know you start with a stable of characters, and it's just <clears throat> part of the game that all of them but one are going to die in the first you know however long it takes to kill off I don't know twelve different characters, whatever. But but then you know the the more modern story 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 type games I guess they're more uh, you know player uh, <laughs> character death should happen as part of the story so there should be a good story and a, a good reason and it should make everybody feel you know like like this was worth something um, like it was a sacrifice or something like it was a sacrifice right or <clears throat> yeah so like it had meaning. It had meaning, exactly, exactly, yeah. You know, when I well, when I play when I play D anD D, I don't want to I don't want to die in the first session to a goblin, right? Exactly, because right. he got uh, lucky with a spear, right? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Well, to me, there's a difference between a player knowingly sacrificing themselves for everybody else. So that makes a really glorious death, like where they're like, you know, all um, my legs broken, I can't make it. I'll hold off the goblins while you guys make make it. You know, whatever it is. Uh, that's a completely different thing than than dying stupidly. Now, and then there's another thing, which is if the dice had failed you, the dice had failed you, and it's nobody's fault at that point. If they all roll ones, then it's somehow easier to accept the fact that, you know, well, I guess I die. Um, it's another thing if, you, if the GM starts to actively, you know, set up situations, Kobayashi Maru's, where you can't win. Sure, and it sounds like he explained to them, you know, here's all the t- horrible decisions you made right. that led to your death, and they went, "Yeah, no, that checks out. We made yeah. those stupid decisions, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, we sure did, huh?" And I'm, I'm much better. I'm much, much more willing to accept that as my character death than I rolled a one. Oops. Yeah. Because I mean, that just it doesn't feel good. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't think it feels good either. No. Well, welcome to my world, but it. it I mean, it. it <laughs> but still, when this when the the randomizer fails you, everybody can see it. They're all looking mm-hmm. at it. And they're looking at you, and you're like, "I can't hide that. This isn't this isn't on me, man. That's on that dice." Mm, I can't remember his character in a, a D and D game one or a Pathfinder game once because he rolled four ones for saves in a row. Oh my god! Like, Secondly, <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> and he was a paladin too. I mean, I, it I, sucks, but but. You can't argue with that, and nobody yeah. can sit around and go, "You made a bad decision." It's like it's just it's the stupid randomizer. I, I can tell you that when I go into games, I I I very much get into my characters, right? Like you can probably within the first five or ten minutes of character mm-hmm. generation, you can ask me anything you want to know about my character, and I'll probably have an answer for it because that's the way my head works. I I have very strong head cannon about everything I do in the game. So for me. When a character dies, it's you know there's there's investment into it. It's like ah, oh, oh man, that sucks, right? That sucks. I've put a lot of time and effort and energy into this. Now that said, 
if we're playing in a game, you know, if we're playing, I don't know, Swords and Wizardry, where you're my first level wizard has <clears throat> one to four hit points, that's kind of expected. I think that's what I'm what I'm getting at. It mm-hmm. Is that's expected at that point? But but if if I'm playing, you know, D and D fifth edition or or any other, you know, more modern game, yeah, I put a lot of thought and effort into my characters, and it it kind of sucks when they die. You know, and, I mean, it sucks. It's and not I fun. Think, I think dying to like a random encounter that had that has little to do with the story just feels like you as a player have failed. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like it's like losing in the in the first round of Mortal Kombat versus on the last boss. You know, you 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 like I did these great things and yeah, that guy was really difficult and that's why I died. Not uh, I died cuz I suck. Yeah, I don't know how to mash buttons. Right. <laughs> we can all agree that dying sucks. It's, maybe there's degrees of it. I mean, it, other than self-sacrifice, where you go out in a blaze of glory, you know, and you make the decision, uh, uh, there's degrees of, of how frustrating it is to, to die. Family no. with dice is, is really frustrating. But yeah. worse yet, I think, is when you make a series of really stupid decisions <laughs> and let your party down and you die because you, oh, and, and got the rest of the party killed because you screwed up that. Right, like if you go down one hall when the rest of the party is already going it's down, already going down, down. another lived, one to a five-hour combat. We lived, <laughs> we lived, we lived we, nobody died. We were fine. No one, no one, no one can die in fourth edition. <laughs> <clears throat> On the flip side, sometimes, you know, you, you make decisions that are going to lead to your character's death. I was playing uh, well, effectively, we were playing uh, Dark Sun characters in 2nd edition AD&D that spell jammed to Forgotten Realms. And yes, I know you can't do that, but it happened anyway. And I was you playing can. that. You can do anything uh, you want. Well, true. Yeah, but but by the by, by the rules, there's, you know, the, they don't work that way. Anyway, I, I don't know. Long story short, I was playing a half-giant with almost maxed out naturally rolled stats. And the GM had this gigantic, huge, monstrous bear. Did you roll? Did you roll them at home? Did you roll the stats no. at home? But you, <laughs> no, but no, no. I, I rolled them in front of the other players. But your mom was there and witnessed it, and she wrote a letter <laughs> saying that. <this. laughs> My mom saw I rolled an eighteen zero zero for straight guys. My mom I, was public, and she notified this, and here's my character. I, I, I have a story about gaming with my mom. It's actually funny, but I'll digress for a second. I got a story about gaming with your mom too. <laughs> glaring at you now. Fuck anyway, you, Shorzy! I've missed you, Tim. I know, I know, I know, so aim better. Go. <laughs> so, anyway, giant, monstrous, half-giant, I'm wielding two two-handed swords, one in each hand, and there's this giant monster bear, and I decided I wanted its skin for a cloak, so I didn't want to use my swords. So I literally, I stood up, and I, I, I pantomimed reaching for my swords, and then I went, cracked my knuckles, and then put up my dukes. And I fought this giant bear as a half-giant to within one of my own hit points. And I actually wound up winning, but at that point, if I would have died, I loved that character, but if I would have died, I would have said, you know what, that was my own dumb fault, I did a dumb thing, and... That was uh, that was that was to quote this this email a good death. That would have been a good death, even though I did a stupid thing, right? So there is that too. Uh, that was epic, though. That's almost still sacrifice there. It, yeah, point, it was it know. was crazy epic, and I did. Yeah, I wore that cloak everywhere. I mean, my uh, character. Sure. Awesome. <laughs> I I do have a problem with um, 
with GMs that are are so inflexible, though. I mean, if you have a habit of TPKing, maybe you ought to think about your characters or your your your, your designs of your of your game, your game design and game balance, because TPKs shouldn't always. I mean, they're a possibility, but they shouldn't happen on a regular basis. It should be okay. the exception and not the rule. Unless, and, unless that's your group, unless that's the you know, the the social contract that your group plays under. If you're a GM that is repeatedly TPKing parties, I'm going to say it. You're a bad GM, <clears throat> or you're a super adversarial GM, which is, in my opinion, a bad GM. Um, you know, I've, I've had I've had GMs on. where every every enemy that we faced was super brilliant at tactics and it's like these are kobolds these should not be super brilliant at tactics these are they have like an int of six we should be able to outsmart them um there's actually a guy who's written uh like a blog series and a book called the monsters know what they're doing and he basically breaks down the monster manual for 5e and says here's how to better play these characters this, this type of monsters you know if it's a if it's a beast they're after food or territory, and if they, the, they'd rather not fight than fight, and things like that. And I think being better at being a GM like that is goes a long way to preventing bad deaths. Also, having your dungeon make sense too. You know, like sure. the monsters would all visit each other when nobody's there, so you got to have monsters that you know they're not just stuck in a room with no food and no way to get around. So I, that's, it's another pet peeve of mine because we used to just design. Dungeons right. back in the day. It was oh, like sure. A glitch in one room and a cobalt in another room, and that room <laughs> is empty. And then there, and it's like we just assumed the monsters all stayed in that room and they didn't do anything. It's like I, I actually wanted to do a con game where, like, when the players are gone, all the all the monsters get together and play cards. You know, hang out. Interrupt that card game, right? Yeah, and they're all pissed off. Yeah, they're like, "What the hell?" You know, like we're just we're hanging out down here. We got a society, and these guys come in and fuck everything up. It's like a gentleman's club. Remember the module uh, uh, um, Keep on the Borderland? It came with the basic D&D set way back in the day, and it yes. had the Caves of Chaos, yes. which was just this this like random collection of caves where 8,000 different monsters lived, and they all kind of just lived happily in harmony each other. In <laughs> harmony, right? In all these different little caves. <laughs> Oi. I've, uh, I've never, yeah. never read Keep on the Borderlands. But I mean, my first way before I was born. (laughs) What? What? My first dungeon design was that way. You know, each room had a separate monster in it. It made no sense, right? Because right, you didn't have any kind of idea of dungeon ecosystem. Right, right, right. Exactly. What's cool? What can I stick in this room to? That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And and then you know, I was conscious of the fact that they'd be mapping as they went. So I also had to design it so it was fairly easy to describe. Not a lot of angles. All right. Uh, th- anything else on that? Go ahead into the next one. Yeah, uh, Ryan. Oh, there, there, I did have okay. one thing. Yeah, he said, "Why, why, why throw a combat if you know the players are going to win uh, to deplete their resources?" Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or to help them level up, give them XP. Oh, yeah, or to give them XP. Because that's why I like milestone. Yeah, yeah. I have to do math all the time. But no, but depleting their resources is a valid. It is a valid approach to that. It, it also, you want to let them work as a group together too, so that people know what everybody else's you know playing style is too. It's it's kind of important to have a couple of warm up fights before you drop them in the middle of something that's really important. Well, yeah. Which is not to say that wandering monsters should be a thing, but you should give them a couple of easy easy goes at it or something that's fairly routine 
before you drop them into something really extraordinary. Yeah, just, right. just, especially with new players. Yeah. And wandering damage. No monsters, just damage. Just yeah, wandering damage is just wandering damage. Well, I used to wander points of wandering damage. I used to like when, when you were going overland. I would roll the wandering monsters and you know come up with some encounter. Oh yeah, I, I, that's sort of fallen out of favor. I don't know if a lot of people do that anymore. They're usually like, all right, you arrive at your, your destination. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure in in a more sort of traditional D and D game where you know people are very dutifully keeping track of of how many XP they have, that they would be delighted to have an, an, an additional bugbear to chase down and kill mm-hmm. on occasion. So, <clears throat> All right, Ryan from Jacksonville. Sorry about the burp there, Canada. Um, <laughs> thank you for the email. Uh, GM appreciation. Does someone want to read this, or should I read this? This is from sure. Mogens from I'll, Denmark. I'll take this one. Go. It's been a while since I've read an email. This is fun. Read an email, Greetings again, ye jackers of happiness, from the now slightly warmer and sunnier Denmark. I just informed my group that I was going to take a two-month break from GMing after a one-year campaign, because I was seriously in danger of suffering a complete GM burnout. Oof. I feel like the guy who time after time hosts a party where all the guests eat all the food in your house and into your drinks cabinet. The horror. No and when they leave, and you ask them if they like the party, they answer, yeah, it was good. Halfway out the door with their back to you. Yeah. It's like a party at Stu's house. <laughs> <laughs> I feel completely underappreciated by my players. Right now, the smallest pat on the back would mean a world of difference to me, but it just doesn't happen. To add to everything, I'm also struggling with long-term depression, which isn't helping either, and I couldn't bring myself to ask for a pat on the back. I am taking the enjoyment and fun of the players very seriously because I really want my players to have a good time. So I've regularly been checking up on my players, asking them if they're still enjoying the game, if they were satisfied with their characters or the direction the campaign was taking, or if there's anything I could do better or differently. The response has always been something like, eh, everything's fine. Now I know that being a GM means that you spend most of your time prepping, planning, etc., and I am most certainly ready to do this. I don't prep too much, maybe an hour per session, which is about every other week. However, it's common, decent courtesy to acknowledge that as a player, isn't it? No. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not done reading. Not really common. <laughs> so, so my question is, can I ask for appreciation for GMing, or is it simply, you choose to be a GM, suck it up? Your thoughts? Thank you always for a great show. Mogens from Denmark. P.S. Drink, gulp, consume, imbibe, slurp, or sip. Not necessarily in that order. I don't. So, I, I think it's unrealistic to assume that you're going to that your 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 time spent prepping as a GM is going to be I, rewarded yeah, yeah, other other than at the table. Even acknowledge. I, I have to say, <clears> I it, it's kind of fortuitous that I, I I did this one because I I uh, 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 I empathize with this greatly. I I'm oh, I am crazy overcritical of my wee little GMing skills and you know I, I, when I run a game at the end I'm always like well did you guys have fun what'd you like what'd you dislike was there anything I could do better and it, you know it's that same thing it's like I oh, know everything was great and what I've learned is that if they say everything was great and they come back for the next session you're doing fine dude yeah you're doing great if they continue showing up for your game and they keep playing right on dude you're doing a great job because yeah, if they're not working, making excuses why they can't make the next game. Right? Exactly. 
Exactly. If, if they're yeah. showing up and they're not like, oh wow, dude, no, I can't, I can't make it Thursday. I've got to, I don't. I don't wash my, my hair. <laughs> yeah. Right. If they're not doing that, I think, I think you're spot on. You know, that's that is the. That's that's the pat on the back. And that's the best you're going to get. I mean, it's like it's like my kids, they don't thank me for disciplining them when they do something dumb. <laughs> right? I mean, I don't expect them to. I just they're when they're older, there. they won't do that thing again. <laughs> I was uh, I was going to make some comment about, you know, expecting appreciation from stoic Scandinavians, but but more <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. More to the point, I think, as a player, I don't know what you've prepped and what you haven't prepped. Because Stu has constantly surprised me when we wandered off the, the, the trail, and he just pulls stuff out of his ass that's brilliant. And then later on, I'm like, well, what was this whole part? And you go, I don't know, I didn't prep it. You guys didn't go anywhere that I prepped. Sometimes. So at the end of the day, uh, sometimes we do. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm constantly amazed at all the balls that the GM has kept in the air. But I can't compliment you on any one specific thing. I can say things like, that encounter was really cool, or that encounter was really tough, or, you know, and then maybe it's a bit meta where I go, how much of that was prepared, you know? But right. at the end of the day, you, you guys are both are all right, which is, if I'm coming back for more, that's my that's my sign of appreciation. Yeah. You know, I'm going to take think- time out of my life to sit down at, or drive to your house and into your game. That's, that's you know, I got other things I can be doing if this wasn't fun. I think expecting expecting uh, gratitude from your players in the like tangible way, like them saying we really love the game, like on a constant, regular basis, is a little unrealistic. Yes. I also don't think it's it's uh, inappropriate to ask for appreciation if you let players know, hey guys, I put a lot of effort in this, and I'm I'm not really feeling that you guys are enjoying yourselves. Maybe because it's possible the players aren't even aware of how the GM is feeling. Yeah. Especially oh, sure. if he if he's, you know, dealing with depression and can't reach out for that. The players aren't really going to be aware. You got to tell people what you need. True. true. True, true. I know people that aren't dealing with depression have a hard time reaching out for appreciation. So, true. It's but, communicating that that's tough as It's tough, super it's tough, tough sometimes. Yeah. I but you know, Stork, you said yeah. something a minute with a minute ago which which kind of rung a bell with me, which is especially now, especially with guys our age we all have plenty of other things to be doing, right? Like, like our schedules are chock full. So if we're if we're taking that time to go play a game, oh fuck yeah! Like the GM should know it's fucking fun. Like if we're there doing it, it's fun because we all have huge responsibilities and stuff that we have to be doing that we're not doing to go play this game, right? Especially yeah, if you're traveling to someone's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, it's something definitely I've learned as I've gotten older is the value of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's huge. It's, yeah. Um, it is. It is. That's I, one of the hard things about GMing is that it is almost a thankless job at times. I mean, you oh, yeah. kill yourself preparing this story for these players, and they don't know how much work. It's all behind the scenes, and you don't really want to let them know because you don't want to make them feel guilty. You don't. You don't want them to know how much you're panicking. You don't want them to know how much you've made up until maybe after the fact. Yeah, um, and there perhaps maybe a way of inciting a little appreciation is showing them after the game is over, after a couple of sessions are over, some of the prep and some maybe some of the ideas that you went through, uh, just you know, so that they can get a glimpse behind the curtain of how much work you did put into it, and they might and probably be genuinely 
uh, in awe of how much work you do do. But I know I know that when I have our IGM, I it take I, there's a ton of prep and a ton of work. There's maps generated, images that are found, you know, character sheets are made, all of that stuff that happens. And if I do it right, it, it's seamless and nobody knows, right? Oh, I, I have to tell you, I would I would love to see some of Stu's one notes from some of the games he's run. Yeah, I mean the amount of work that must be in there, notes and all that kind of crap in there. Uh, it, it's it's got to be mind blowing. I know that I know that if I saw that, I'd probably go, "Oh man, I should never GM again because I don't do anything that much." But I would love to see Stu's notes from the end of the first Inukai game when we just screwed everything up and let huh. all the yeah. balls drop. Yeah, that's the second <laughs> or, or the first moat, which you know I. Michael one claim to fame. The, the, the second one I played in that game where we all went <laughs> off to, to the island, and Stu's like tears up his story. Like, well, and then at, the, at the end when we, we we ran off and just killed the samurai and and then let just let all the loose threads just swing in the wind, and then afterwards, and Stu sends out the prologue. It's like, oh, we forgot to help those people, those people, those people, those people. Oh, our mantis friends all froze to death, waiting for our response. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, I maybe because I work in movies and theater and stuff, and my job is basically I you know, do a ton of work, and but nobody ever sees it or appreciates it, and so I get it. I just accept the fact that GMing is a lot of hard work that nobody's really going to ever see or, yeah. or know. However, you also work co- in an industry where they have entire shows about giving you awards. For yeah, the things true. you've done, that's true. And, the GMs don't have that, and you are also and you are also paid. Yes, which is its well, own form is, of appreciation. That is, a, that is a damn good that's, fact, that's, right there. That's yeah. the biggest form of appreciation. <laughs> Not free. Yes, and there, there is a, money to do this. Rad. But again, there is kind of a fascination behind looking behind the scenes. You know, seeing how the special effects for Star Wars were made was mm-hmm. always fascinating to me. Right, you see the ship go by, and it's it's like a half a second of a shot, and then you see the weeks of work it took to make that one shot. It's infinitely more fascinating to me than that one second shot, yeah. but it's still it's still really cool on both sides of that. I also wonder how much of, of all of this, the whole not appreciation for GMs, uh, comes from the fact that we're dudes and we're taught to not seek praise for our the things we do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you have an opinion, Tim. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I have an opinion on that. I'm. I'm. I have the. I may have the seedling of an opinion, but I don't know if it's fully formed enough to comment. We'll water that shit, and we'll get back to it later. <laughs> <laughs> um, or not? We don't want to hear you whining about your emotions. Was that- was that beeping uh, from uh, me or is it someone else? No, it's 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 from it's in okay. the kitchen. Okay. All right. Um, I just wanted to mention because <clears throat> I haven't yet, and I usually do it at the top of the show. Uh, my second novel has been released, and it's up on Amazon. It's Kindle and Kindle format right now, and the regular book will probably end up because it's going through review right now. It'll probably be released tomorrow. I'm guessing. That was fast. I wrote, wrote a book, book. one to book two. I wrote two. I've written three actually. I've released two. Damn, I've been gone a long time. <laughs> well, the first... This all happened in the last... I mean, I, I started writing the first book beginning of July, and I released it on, like, July 23rd. And then I started writing the second book, 
And then I finished writing the second book a couple weeks ago. It only took me two weeks to write the second book. And then it's been... I had someone proofreading it for me. And then I... I've finished the third book, which I now have to go back and do two more like writing passes through. Um, but in the meantime, I got the the changes back, the corrections back from the second book, and I, so I went ahead and put that up. I've also recorded. I finished just before we started, moments before we started. I finished recording the audio version of the first book, the audible version of it. So that will probably be released in the next couple of weeks. I have 8,000 ideas in my head about stuff I want to do. Mm-hmm. I've never even gotten 25% of the way through one of them in the time you've written three books and recorded an audio book. I am ashamed. I have, <laughs> I, I have lost count of the number of aborted novels I had on the various laptops I've owned in the last 10 or 12 years. Well, uh, Tim, you're used to hundreds. going outside and stuff. Stu, when they're like, everyone stay in your home. Stu is like, yes! Yes! <laughs> yes, my jam! I'm like, how is this day different from any other day? <laughs> so while all of us are mourning the loss of our outdoor time, Stu's Right, like, our social lives. All right. We're going to write a book. Like, writing a book. No, one, you know the, no one's going to come over and bother me. The irony is that his life hasn't changed. He's still actually going to work. He just... Yeah, no yeah. No bothering him. Yeah, now no one's just giving him crap for staying home all the time. Right. <laughs> They're like, wow, Stu's so responsible. <laughs> so if you want, uh, you can go to stuvenable.com slash mandite02, M-A-N-D-E-I-G-H-T, zero two. And that, that will take you directly to the... Huh? I thought it was Mandate. Mandate. I've always pronounced it Mandate. I figured it like the German, because the second vowel gets the, the, right. gets the power. Um, so, and, and, or just go to Amazon and look, just type in my name, Stu Venable, and you'll see both books. Like I said, the, the second book is not available on print-on-demand yet, but that, that'll probably happen within the next day or so. And I even have the cover and everything for the third book ready. I haven't started out writing the That's so. Brad. impressive as hell. It is. That is impressive as hell. And the early, well the early readers of the second book say, "Tell me it's better than the first. So, which I, I'm, I'm thankful for because I would hope well that done. every book is better than the previous one. <laughs> I mean, no, unless, you're Harper, unless you're Harper Lee and only write one book, and it's pretty much the greatest American novel ever, then yeah, I mean, right. everybody gets better as they write. Harper Lee wrote a second book. Yes. But it was never really released. So. Well, like they re- recently did. It's called Ghost Out of Watchmen. Yeah. But she never, it was never published good. in her lifetime. No, it was never published in her lifetime, and it was never. But it because really she, knew, she knew, she's like, oh, to kill a mockingbird, I can't, can't touch right? that now. Right? Peaked. Peaked. <laughs> All right. Uh, but at least, at least kids in high school will be forced to read it for years. For years and years and years. <laughs> Or at least they, watch the movie. As they should. Was it, was it uh, Charles Schultz when they first showed the uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas special? Got tanked in the back of the room was like, it's going to air for a hundred years! <laughs> <laughs> and he was probably right. Was that a real story or was that like a family guy? Because I it's, can totally see that as a family guy moment. It's not a family guy thing, but it's it's probably an urban legend. Charles <laughs> Schultz. <laughs> All right. Uh, X cards, lines, and veils, etc. from Axel. Who would like to read that? Or should I read that? Or should I read the GURPS Horror Story? Should that be my penance? I don't don't want to force you to read the GURPS Horror Story. I'll read the GURPS Horror Story. All right, then I'll read this one. Uh, X cards, lines, and veils from Axel. 
Dear Happy Jack's crew, thanks for keeping things together in these crazy times, and also thanks for sticking with your unfiltered and unedited approach. So helpful for all kinds of ideas in RPGing and Corona weirdness. Now, I live in a rural area in Europe. Most gamers that I know are pretty old school, and none have really considered discussing boundaries in games or how to define the no-go areas in games. Can you share some ideas on how to best introduce the concept of safety mechanisms to a group that is totally oblivious to their existence, and how to introduce them to how this works? I'm prepping to run a VTM, Vampire the Masquerade, 20th Anniversary Edition, where NPCs modeled after Albert and Scully and the Old Island Gang might make up the Primogen Council, <laughs> which I think is a perfect place to introduce this. Woo-hoo! From the UK, Axel. We actually talked about this a couple of episodes ago, Stu, and you had some really good insight. Well, now this is, this is like introducing it to a group that's never used them before. Well, yeah, that's true. And I'm... And, and, I mean, you're playing Vampire. Vampire is one of those games where you might want to have safety tools. I mean, it really depends on, on your group. Does every group need yeah. safety tools? I don't no. know. I mean, we got along without them for a long time. Right. And I mean, and that, that's not to say that we didn't cause, you know, severe psychic damage to each other <laughs> in the process. But we, but I don't know. I don't know if every if every group needs them. I mean, if 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 well, if the GM thinks they need them, then maybe the GM needs them, and maybe then that you should probably introduce them. So, yeah. Stu, I guess, yeah. Um, my internet has been broken for the last four years, so I haven't been able to catch a single AP from the show here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, are those used in the shows that we AP? Yes. Um, the shows that I'm specifically running, Vampire, we don't really deal with it because uh-huh. uh, everyone knows that they're playing a freaking monster. So, oh, and, 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 and I'm yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty good at like kind of glossing over the horrific shit. Um, sure, we do have one. We do use. Well, we actually had physical X cards. I made X cards that had like little um, Eldritch symbols on them, little Lovecraftian symbols on them. Oh, and nice. and so and everyone had one in front of them, and um, <clears throat> it got used a couple times. Um, we also had lines and veils for that as well. So I had people put in stuff they didn't want to visit in, within the game. And I told everyone up front, I'm, I want to run a sort of old school Call of Cthulhu game the way it's meant to be run. I want it to be dark, and I want it to be you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, and and everyone put in a couple of things that they'd rather not have happen. And uh, the one moment, at one point, I forgot one of them, and because uh, always remember that shit. And then the, the next card got used, but it hasn't been used much. I'm sure um, all of the the GMs on our channel that are running hippie games are using them because almost all of them use them. Anything that's PBTA or anything like that, I would imagine has a some kind of safety tool out there. So. Um, yeah, but yeah, we do use them. Um, I think, I mean, I, the big thing about it, <clears throat> and the thing that I noticed when we were running Call of Cthulhu, and this actually came out, what is the name of that game? For the Queen? I think it's called For the Queen. I think that's where it was. There was an X card in that, and you use the X card not only when uh, difficult or you know troubling subject matter comes up, but you use it also to inform Forced tone, which I thought was a brilliant way to sort of normalize the use of the card, because one of the one of the things that we that has happened in some of our APs is the cards out there, but it's almost like people like tapping the card is like losing. 
Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Okay. There've been a couple. There've been a, a couple. You don't want to be the person who stops the, the momentum. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and yeah, things are getting dark and intense, and it's getting awesome. And let's keep just just keep wallowing around in the awesome darkness. And someone you know gets uncomfortable about it, but everyone else seems to be having fun. And there's almost like a peer pressure to not use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. toxic and, and, as fuck. And it also telegraphs your 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 fear, right? Sure. It's something that's deeply personal to you, and now you hit the X card, everybody's now going to know or Every, have everybody knows, yeah. of what your phobia or whatever your thing is. And right. that's not comfortable at all. So the act of hitting an X card, it has to be get to a point where you just can't stand it, and you don't care if everybody knows that that, that right. is a trick. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's it's, it's actually kind of weird that the the mechanic used to make sure people feel comfortable. You've already got to be really comfortable with the people you're playing with to use it. Right. That's right, the problem. Right. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. that I think is the problem and the biggest weakness with the X card. I think that is one of the. I mean, it, it's more of like an emergency pull on a on a train. No, that's right. right. It's like, yeah. And and people generally won't use that. At least. I found. Now we did try to use it for tone in in Call of Cthulhu. A few times people will get a little jokey and tap the card, and everyone's like, "Okay, yeah, back to being serious." And you know, this is the 1920s, but it's not daring do. It's yeah. Oh God, what are we what are we discovering? I personally think if you're going to to use safety tools in a game with people who are not used to using safety tools, what I did for the Call of Cthulhu game for the Lines and Veils is I created a document. And I copied. There's a way you can you can send out a share link, rather than sharing it with individual people. You just give them a link. They can use the link, and they can go in and they can make changes, or they can add their lines and their veils. Let me just uh, lines are things that you don't want to happen in the game. You don't want to see them. They shouldn't exist. Veils are things that can happen in the game, but they happen quote unquote off camera. Right. Those are the okay. the two things. And if and if as the GM, you put up a document where people can go in and add their stuff to it anonymously, and I think this is important. Then as the GM, you can go in and say, here's my lines and my veils, and you don't even put them in in the beginning. Like, Send the link out if you have anything that you don't want to discuss, explain what lines and veils are. Here's the document. Go ahead and, and add whatever you want. Then wait a day or two and then you go in and put a couple things in, and no one knows it was you. And someone look, goes and looks at it and says, "Oh, I guess it's okay to put things in here." Someone else, someone else is already giving them permission. The yeah, yeah, right. yeah, giving them permission. And yeah. I think that that's one of the reasons I liked using X card for tone enforcement because there's a there's almost a stigma with using it in certain groups. Not mm-hmm. not everyone, obviously, but in certain groups, there's almost there are people who are like, "Oh, yeah, we want to have a real dangerous, edgy game." Well, at some point, someone's going to feel the peer pressure not to use that. So I, I think, right. I, but I think with the with the the group you're talking about, starting with lines and veils, I think is a pretty easy thing to start with. And and there's a way you can you can kind of make it acceptable and normalized so that no one is going to be bothered by it because you're always going to have those assholes who are like, I don't want to my game. You know what I mean? That, those assholes. But. Um, and the other thing is, obviously right now with virtual, it's much easier, but the, there's a safety tool that I think was called the Open Door, I think was the name of it, I don't remember. But it's basically <clears throat> something happening in the game that you have a problem with, you get up and you leave, no one asks questions, 
No one pressures you to stay. If you're in the middle of combat, just kind of pretend the character's not there or whatever you have to do until they feel comfortable coming back. And and that's something that you would announce before the game. Certainly that's very easy to do. It's really easy to say, oh, you know what? I gotta go piss. And then mute, take your headphones off and leave. But I think that's also... That's that. That to me, but that and lines and veils, I think, the two, are the two things that are probably going to be your best bets. I can't think of anything. I mean, what you say is great to set it up ahead of time, right? It's like this, yeah. this is these are the parameters we're playing with. If you guys have any problems, put them down, and then we'll, we will work within those. For anything that's an immediate trigger, let's say something happens in the game for whatever reason that isn't, or no, people forgot to put down on their lines and veils, it's hard to have an immediate um, stop game break. Um, the only thing I can think of is if you set up something like a Slack, and you can Slack the GM, and again you're going to out yourself, and you Slack the GM and go, "Please stop! I can't take this. We need you need to change it." And that way, at least you're telling the GM, and you're not telling the rest of the players. Yeah, but yeah. There yeah. needs to be that tool there available just in case something goes off the rails that you guys haven't addressed ahead of time. Well, the, the chat room is mentioning something that I think I've mentioned before as well. And that is having some way that players can indetectably notify the GM that the X card has been touched. Right. See, that, that's, that's the thing there, is, is when you can notify the GM without alerting any of the other players, right. then all of, that, all of the, the baggage of, well, I don't want to be the person to touch the X card, goes away. Right. Because then it's just, it can also it's just between not, you and your GM. It can also stop the, like, touching the X card, that absolutely is just going to kill the momentum because everyone's going to know going to stop and go what did we have to change yeah if you just message the gm if you have a way like if to to let the gm know like they're talking about foot pedals and buzzers and lights and things behind the gm screen which would be pretty (laughs) cool but i mean if if you're if you're playing over zoom or roll 20 or something like that you can send a private message to the gm and say hey i don't like that we're talking about you know cows right now and they can just shift it away from that well the the last Stopping the momentum. Right. The, the last few times I've run in person, uh, we had Slack up anyway. You know, we were doing that back in the days of the mode, where you had Slack up anyway, so that you know, if I needed to tell something to someone privately, I could just put it in the Slack real quick. So we always had that Slack up and running, and that would you know, that way you have that kind of secret communication. Right. Also, like, if you're running a game at a con or something like that and you're GMing, put your cell phone number on the front of the GM screen or just hand it to mm-hmm. everyone and say, hey, anything happens in the game that, you, that you're that you uncomfortable with, just send me an X as a text. Yeah, just just send me a text. And at that point, it's it's not even identifiable, identifiable yeah, as exactly. a person because you don't have their numbers in your contacts. Right. Yeah. But that, that open door thing, that sounds kind of cool. That sounds like that could be really useful, assuming we ever actually get to do face-to-face comps. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're still outing yourself, unless unless you you're like but, you really have to go pee and you get up and leave, and now you've thrown the game off. You come back and you're like, what did I miss? And they're like, I don't want to put fun at it, but it is a dramatic thing, because now all of a sudden the person is leaving, and everyone sure. sees. But you know what? You can... You can it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean the pe- person's leaving for that specific reason. Yeah, People do have really to piss have to leak, during... Yeah during games. I mean, I get up to piss all the time. That's where you come up with your best ideas. It is. That's where I go for my best ideas. I mean, I have the bladder the size of a tennis ball. (laughs) There is no easy way to to stop a game mid-game without 
outing yourself or, or I mean, it can be done, I guess. But yeah, it can be done. I guess the, the other question here is how do you how do you sell this to people that have never done it before or th- thought they needed it before? So, I mean, I think I think your rights to setting up this document ahead of time and having a little blurb like I'm setting up this document, you know, email everybody. It's anonymous. We're going to set up. I'm going to put you guys putting your lies avails all this, and this will be the parameters we play with. If you guys don't have a problem with anything, don't put anything in. If you do have a problem, put it in. If it's anonymous, I won't know who did it. Anybody else who's looking at it won't know who did it. So feel yeah. free to express yourself, and that way, it gives them the luxury and the, and the ability to, to set up a, a safer zone for them without having yeah. themselves. And you can explain to them like. You know, I I don't know I don't know you that well. I don't, I want to make sure you're comfortable, so I want to give you this opportunity to to do this. How do you, you know? Because I back in the day, granted we're a bunch of callous fourteen year old boys. We did horrible things, and I don't know if we're scarred, but we just certainly weren't very woke. No, you were edgy for the sake of being edgy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Our fourteen-year-old boys all edge lords anyway. You know, really. Pretty I much. Played yeah. Vampire LARP at fifteen. So Terrible. Yeah. Terrible decisions. <laughs> so. Stu just left. We need to change. Stu went to the... <laughs> right. Right. Stu. He's uncomfortable with us talking about. He's that. uncomfortable with us talking, and he went to go pee. <laughs> and, and I. And maybe maybe it also had to do with our style of play. We really weren't that invested. We didn't have a lot of character things. We it was all just sort of you know, killing things and getting treasure. And and as a fourteen year old, you just don't have the concept that maybe torturing a cobalt to find out information is is a bad thing. As you get older, you're like torturing a cobalt. Well, you know, you don't, you don't completely de- you don't complete developing sympathy and empathy until your twenties. Twenty five. Right? So, yeah. yeah, if you're in your teens, yeah, you're gonna say something. they're awful. If really? I look back at some of the stupid crap I said when I was a teenager, uh, I'm just glad Twitter didn't exist then. Right? Just, right? You know? Oh, I look back at stuff I said yesterday in horror. <laughs> <laughs> really? All right. Uh, thank you, Axel, for the provocative email. Uh, so, n- yeah, and now- to sum up, anonymous lines and veils. Yeah. Especially if it's a bunch of dudes who are bad about talking about their feelings. Right. And then go put stuff in, but not at first, because yeah. then they'll know it was you, but do it later. Because then it's, you know. Uh, GURPS related horror story from Ryan again. Hey, all. I'm writing to you to tell you about this horror story involving GURPS. No! In this case. Sorry, Stu. The game was a con game, and the con rules were you had to let anyone who wanted to play play if they signed up first. Con games are the worst. The lingering dread you feel as I bring up this rule is a sign of things to come. Feel it for a second. You have to let anyone who wants to play, play. Because that's so unfair. The game was a modern game described as X-Files meets Star Wars. How is that fucking modern? I'm already out. I am too. Which oh, no, sa- I'm, I'm in. I'm which in. sounded I, I, good. Okay, who wrote this? It's Ryan. It's Ryan. Huh? Ryan from Jacksonville. All right. How did that? How could that sound good? That sounds awesome, dude. Which you know, if the dude who ran a game with the cleric of cheese and the card trick playing wizard is like, <laughs> this is a horror story. I want to hear this horror story. That's right. true. <clears throat> you know, and, and depending on how long ago it was, X Files was modern at one point. Oh, that's true, yeah. yeah, yeah. But Star Wars is a long, long time ago. 
I signed up for Galaxy Far Away. I signed up for it when I was browsing games to play, and I got there a bit early in the morning to see what the day had in store. The guy that was running it warned me that I had to make my character and wrote down the criteria on a piece of hotel stationery. Red flag the second red flag the second as GURPS kind of takes a while to build characters. Yes, it does. I, I, I kinda get I kinda get the fact that he wants you to show up with a character ahead of time because you could yeah. literally spend four hours making characters. Yeah. I mean I, I could see making the character for them except for their disads and letting people pick their right. disads. That because yeah. that's kind of what makes your character. Yeah. Um there's a hotel I had a character and I had I had it in another game that was within spec, so I didn't sweat it and said I would be there. He responded by telling me that my slot would be taken if I was even a minute late. Red tag wow. the third. I've, I've done that because I've had two or three people waiting to get in games and like someone's late, someone's late and says, you know, I'll wait a couple minutes but I won't wait longer than that. Um, yeah, it's not fair to the waiting list people. It's like, no. if you don't bother to show up on time or early, these other people want to play so I'll Especially let Especially if those waiting list people do show up on time. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I was on the fence, misspelled, about it at this point, but he seemed to see. Can you tell that I've been reading audio in an audiobook? Because my reading has become slightly more fluent than it used to be. And the, and the fact that you've been correcting yourself as you read because of all your I have. I've been fighting so many like... typos. <laughs> um, but he seemed like an okay guy who was just a bit high strung. Decided to give him the benefit of the doubt. And boy, was I wrong. Drink. <laughs> this game gets real rough. Gets rough real quick. I will drink. I love a good horse. I'll be right back. Even I don't know how this ends. I know you got triggered. Um, we need. So we were people who were dealing with aliens who abducted people, cloned them, and used the clones for various evil purposes. They could only be. They could only use the original biological material to make the clone. So they had to keep taking people in order to keep the clones flowing. The clones could be programmed at creation to think or do anything. The brewer, they made them in beer vats, had planted in them. So there there was a, a seemingly interesting paranoia subplot of anyone could be replaced by a clone and be turned against you at any point. Seemed like a good setup, so I was down. I missed the hidden fourth red flag here. Can you see it? Was it the beer vats? I'm thinking it's the beer vats. No, the clones could be programmed at creation to think or do anything the brewer, the GM, had planted in them. Oh. Yeah, so he's about to start telling people how to play their characters. Oh, boy. Yeah, he totally is. Sure. And I haven't, I haven't read forward yet. That's just... Okay. The game started with, all of a, with, with us all riding in a car, and I'm... Tur- turned into a clone within yep, the first five is. minutes of the game when the rest of the PCs went to the bathroom at the first road stop we got to. Why didn't you go to the bathroom too? It's your fault. You made a bad choice. <laughs> because, he was, because he was okay with the story up to that point. I can hold it till the next one. <laughs> you should go now. Someone had to stay with the car so the car didn't get turned into a clone. <laughs> right? Because clone cars are horrible. The GM also uh, to not to. Uh, the GM asks if I still wanted to play. I'm sorry for doing that. It's just I, I notice this stuff now that I'm. I just read 
235 pages of shit. Uh, the G- I'm a little punchy. I don't know if you can tell. The, the GM asked if I still wanted to play because my character is basically mind-controlled yep. at this point. Against my better judgment, I said something to the effect of just give me a list of directives to do and I will play the sleeper agent so I can actually play the frickin' game. I put the frickin' in myself. Um, he scribbled some stuff on a piece of paper and gave it to me, but I didn't. Ma- but it didn't matter because he narrated everything my character did whenever it came up anyway. That is a super exciting way to spend half your day at a con. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're going to get to play two, maybe three games a day, and one of them is this. Uh, I get to watch while someone else runs my character for me. Let me just say, can't blame GURPS. So far, I see nothing that is system specific. <laughs> yeah, I, this this isn't this isn't a GURPS horror story. It's a horror story that involves it's, GURPS. It's yeah. just a horror story. Yeah, <laughs> just in general. I only stayed for about half an hour. The thing that got me to leave was not the complete lack of control of my character, but the things that he had my character do. Oh God, the first. I should have reread this. The first thing was I was to do was kidnap a woman I didn't know, but I had a name on a piece of paper. So I tried to go to the phone book and look up this person, set in the 1990s, to be told I knew where she was so my character would never do that. That's awesome. Uh, cool. Where is the location of the target, I ask? He replies, doesn't matter. You can't get, get to her yet. You've got to wait till dark. Makes, oh my god. Makes sense, I guess. So I go with the rest yeah. of the gang till okay. I can sneak off. We're all getting angry just listening to this. <laughs> I'm watching the Tyler's body language is just getting and Tim's Tim's eyes are getting wider and wider. I know, I know, and I'm like I've already read this and went through the anger part and I'm like it, it, it is just awful. It gets worse. Jess and Chad has the best response to this so far. She says, "That's when you put on need to put on your big girl thong, pull out a hammer, and end some people." <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, the rest of the gang till I can sneak off. I say, and he says, "No, you are going to fake a stomach bug and go wait in the bathroom till it's time to go get her." I watched them play. See, now I think the GM at this point is assuming he's going to try to subvert the instructions that he's been giving him. I think that's what's going on here. There, I think there is a lack of trust between the GM and this player playing this character. Because I've had players in various circumstances where they have been their their brains have been subverted in one way or another, and I just let them play their characters. You know, all I will do is is say, okay, this is the reality that you perceive now, or th- these are your goals. Go and and then just leave it to them. This guy couldn't do that. Years nope. ago at Gen Con SoCal, I was uh, I was when uh, Werewolf the Forsaken was uh, still in playtesting. A GM was working with White Wolf, ran it for a group of us, and we all started out as humans, and then. Like, he was making checks for which one of us was going to turn into a werewolf first, and then it happened to my character. And he goes, okay, let me see your character sheet. And I was like, dude, I've been storytelling werewolf for years now. I think I got this. And he goes, all right. And then I ate half the party. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And after I killed the first character, the the GM was like, oh, shit, he does have this. (laughs) (laughs) He thought I was going to take it easy on him. I'm like, no. (laughs) Uh, bathroom after dark, take a drink. Uh, the game progresses to a caper the player characters because I was some kind of NPC at this point. We're off chasing down cattle mutilations in a field at night, and I and I yell, Ha ha! It is night, so I can actually play. 
The GM, <laughs> but the GM wants to finish the scene, which ends the next morning, so I was guaranteed I could do nothing to affect events. Okay. Right there is where I got pissed. Yep. It's like right. you, he had this guy in the bathroom, and he's like, "Okay, so I can do something." No, no, I just want to end the scene. And so, all right, scene's over. And I'm like, "But, but, he, wait, but, but mm. he didn't want him in the game. He just didn't want him in the game. He's yeah, trying he to the hook, drive him yeah. away. He's trying to drive him away. Yeah, I'm convinced now." Uh, the scene back to me. Uh, uh, so I was guaranteed I could do nothing to affect events, and comes back to me with some prompting from me. Uh, he just says, "Okay, you take the target, and she gets abducted and cloned after you hurt her." But I did what before the abduction? I say, "Oh yeah, your clone is a sadist," because he put that in clones. Yep. Right? Yeah, you just you, that's. You hit that actually, there's, a shank, there's, there's a shaggy there's a, dog story about that where actually the guy pushes his, his clone off because it's sadistic. So he's uh, arrested for making a long distance sadistic clone fall. When 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 you're brewing your clone in the beer vat, you just you just drop some malort in there and then they become sadistic. I'm sorry, Tim. I like how hard Tim is trying to ignore what Stork just said. A long distance obscene clone fall, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, alright. Where was I? <laughs> uh, with some prompting. He just says, okay, you take the target, and you hurt her. I do what? Uh, oh yeah, your clone is a sadist. So you're going to rape and torture her before you turn her into your boss. She is going to die anyway, and it doesn't matter what state she ends at, so long as she is biologically alive since you are harvesting her for genetic material to clone. This guy should never be allowed to run a game at a convention ever no, again. No, 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 ever. Ever. I was a bit... I was... I was at a bit of a loss. So I was like, so do you want me to roll for something here? I had gotten a chance to roll I hadn't gotten a chance to roll dice yet. So I wanted some sense that I was playing a game, maybe some kind of chance to resist the commands to be a sadist on the seemingly random woman. He said he didn't want me want to make the other players sit through watching him play through a scene they weren't involved in because it would be boring for them. Well, he was locked in the bathroom and they went off in the cattle mutilation. <laughs> this this has to be intentional. Like, he has to be intentionally trying to drive this player out. Oh, he is. Totally is. But he offered me to add flavor text so the scene by asking if I raped her before I tortured her or vice versa. I responded, just, I'm out, wrong. got my stuff, and walked. Good for you. Also, punch him in the face on the fucking way up. I, I, you know what? We're to call in heavy metal Jess with her thong and hammer. And she can go like solve this because that's Jesus. That's, that's, that's so wrong. That's a GM that needs to meet my good friend, Mister Aluminum Baseball Bat, because it makes a really satisfying sound when you hit someone's cranium with an aluminum baseball bat. I'm going to I'm going to talk I'm have a talk with Mook, who is the West Coast guru of GURPS, and Steve Jackson, and we're going to have you banned from ever running this game again, <laughs> or any game ever, or any game ever. <laughs> In hindsight, the group played and hung together the entire con. Ah, so see, they, this was a ga- this was their home yeah. game. Yeah. So I think they wanted a private game with just their group, and were doing everything they could to make it hard for outsiders to join in. I don't know if they include an incidental rape in their storylines on a regular basis, 
But that was my breaking point. I could stand. I think if you're going to throw it at a stranger, you're definitely also throwing it at your regular players, and yeah, you are, oh, are sure. giving it any kind of that's just gravitas. This is the kind of thing you should take to the con. Like, yep. this is what happened, and oh yeah, I would. These people should be not only banned, but they should be, you know, excoriated in, in if, the press or something. If you're running a game. That other people can sign up for because you can you can run you can go on, like at our cons at 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 uh, GameX Orcon and Gateway you can go in and register a private game where people can't sign up for it and they'll give you assign you a space so that you can run the game. You can. You didn't do say that. at the beginning of the email that that's not the rule of this con. Everybody, right. anybody can play. Well, if you're at that. You can't. You shouldn't have those expectations. And why the fuck are you spending right. money and buying a hotel to go play with the very same people you play with at home? You pl- that's, because running that, that game at that con probably got him a discounted room, oh, a free badge. Oh, true. Yeah, running yeah, a game yeah. at a con usually gets you something. That's so true. They run a public yeah. game and then drive yeah, people yeah, out yeah. of it. That's yeah. true. Because because these people are assholes, and I'm going to assume the absolute worst about them. Right. <laughs> Me too. They just wanted to try to fleece the con. Right. Yep. I could stand the railroading. The sudden shift in character priorities can be fun, or working against the group can also be fun in a one-shot, but rape and torture is a no-go for me in games. P.S. There is a panel at the same con where there was a general Q&A with some authors about their books uh, that he hijacked to spend 20 minutes telling about his GURP setting. Really? Uh, Learned after... The so he GM. went to a panel with writers, stood up, to, ostensibly to ask them a question, and then talked 20 minutes about his game world. I'm going to talk about my group setting. This guy <laughs> is a that's what, it, that's what it sounds like he, he did. Oh my god. Kill him. Uh, learned after I played in it, played it, that the alien's goat is to abduct in goal goal is to abduct <laughs> enslave. See, th- there's a lot like, of where, edits. Where was the goat? Where's the, the goat? Where goat? <laughs> the alien's goal was to abduct, enslave, and clone all women in power as a means of global t- <laughs> global domination. This guy had some issues. I have avoided him since. Good for you. Yeah, you, should, you should let other people know about him too, so they don't fall into the same trap. Because this guy's a creep. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and wager this dude uh, probably never seen a real boob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go out on a limb and say he has two of his own. Well, I mean, <laughs> PPS. This happened at a smaller con that doesn't have gaming as a primary draw. His name, as well as the name of the con, were not included because this is the only person that runs GURPS at this con, and he does nothing to distinguish it as his own personal setting, so anyone who has not heard of GURPS before this kind, before this kind of thinks that the setting and game are one. Ryan yeah. from Jacksonville. Well, this guy... I don't know. I would name and shame that dude so I would, fast. too. I would as well. I yeah, would yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's don't still out people there, like that in the hobby. Do that and let the con people know because they don't know this is going on and they need to put a stop to it. This is, this is toxic. A lot of cons are now coming up with you know sort of safety rules on, on behavior and what's acceptable and what's not, and the, and I think they should. 
and this is the sort of thing and this is the sort of of in-game material that should be prohibited you don't need that or at least require a disclaimer this this goes sure. way past just bad taste. You know this what? Is, this is awful. You know what though, Tyler? I, I don't. I, I I don't think that at a, a a public con like that, even a disclaimer should get away with with this stuff, right? Uh, I think that even if you say, "Hey, hey, you know what? I'm running a groups game. There may be rape and torture." I, I just I, I kind of feel like that's not okay. I even if you have that, disclaimer. you should have the, the the con should have pre-written disclaimers, and you have to check box which ones would apply. One of them would be this game may contain scenes of rape because the GM is a pre-adolescent and doesn't <laughs> understand anything. And right. if you have to check that box, and you're willing to check that box, <coughs> then yeah, you can run that game. On I think in con game signups, they should be, there should be a line that says, "Does your game contain, you know, these uncomfortable topics, rape, torture, things like that?" Right. And if it does, it automatically rejects your game and cancels your registration. Fair. Yeah. I like. That's fair. There you go. That's very fair. There it also, is. cops get sent to your house. Right, and then and then also it it, it it gets your IP address and blocks it, so you can never go back to the site again. Right. Yep. Yeah, we're, we're being lit because this is really uncomfortable. I mean, this this could have happened to any one of us. Oh, you sure. just easily could have gone to a con. You don't know. It's a GURPS yeah. game. I've never played GURPS. Let's sit down and try. And then you get stuck in this. Now, I'm old enough, and I just don't care enough that I would have marched right up to the head of the con and said, come with me, please. Come here, Aldrich. And, I want to talk to you. You want to <laughs> listen in on this game for a little bit? This officer, <laughs> this game right here. <laughs> right. I have no qualms. Yep. That's because this is. Yeah. No, that's 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 just. It's just not. No, I and think he says he's the only guy that runs GURPS, and I would say no GURPS is better than that GURPS. Yeah, yeah I yeah, agree. Yeah. I agree. It hurts my soul, but I agree. He All does right. bring up a good point, which is, I mean, to the uninitiated, are and, and they've had a a bad time with a game in a game system. Uh, they're gonna think to themselves, "Well, I don't like that game because I had a terrible time." Right. right. Next thing you know, time. everyone thinks GURPS is fatal. Right. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go ahead and. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to go ahead and play us out. Yay. Thank you for joining us for season 27, episode 9 of Happy Checks Over G Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Proby Tim. I'm Stork. I'm Tyler. And we'll see you next week, 7 p.m. Pacific Time, happyjacks.org slash live. And until then, stay safe and keep gaming and stuff. Bye. you don't want to make.